Okay, today we are going to be studying Mark chapter 7, verses 1 to 23. So we've got a lot, a lot of ground to cover today. And this is the passage where Jesus talks about inner purity. He's going to be interacting with some Pharisees, some teachers of the law. These are, these are the religious elite in Jesus' day. Um, that Jesus always loved to debate with. It seemed like he was always getting into debates with these guys, right? I mean, they're, they're like the bad guys of the New Testament, certainly of the Gospels. And, and the debate for today is, is really about the source of true goodness. So let me just kind of give you a, just a big picture, bird's eye view of where we're going today. Because again, I want before we even get into the text, and we got a lot to read, I want to make sure you're thinking about how to apply it to your life. Because a lot of times when we talk about the religious elite, when we, when we study Jesus' words, at least people like you and me, probably most of us at kind of regular evangelical churches in modern America, we don't really relate to the Pharisees. We can't really relate to the religious elite because these are the people who believe that, that true goodness comes from following the rules. And most of us, that's not really how we think. Most of us, I would say, aren't legalistic. That's not how we approach faith or church or religion or life or whatever. And so kind of at the surface level, what we're talking about today is, is that, you know, Jesus taught that, and again, this isn't going to sound like a, a shocker for most people listening, unless you're coming out of, say, Mormonism or some real sort of fundamentalist religion, this isn't going to be a shocker today at the surface, that Jesus taught that that true goodness comes from the inside out. In fact, we're going to be looking at Isaiah 29, 13. This is what Jesus quotes, but I, it, it was only recently that I paid attention to the fact that Isaiah 29, 13 is, is only the second most famous 29, 13 in the Bible. The first most famous is Jeremiah 29, 13, which is kind of a big deal at PursueGod.org. It's kind of our theme verse, right? If you, if you, Look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. That was from the prophet Jeremiah. You know, if you seek me with your whole heart, then you will find me. And, and so we're always encouraging people around here. Maybe you're bringing someone through the pursuit. Maybe you're discipling someone, you know, and, and you, you probably know this verse. Hey, pursue God with your whole heart. And because the promise is if you do it, if you pursue God wholeheartedly, then you'll find him, right? He'll be found by you, all that stuff awesome. That's a great, that's my most, my, my, by far my most favorite 29, 13 in the Bible, but right on its heel is Isaiah, Isaiah 29, 13. Maybe you didn't realize that this was also a chapter 29, verse 13 from another prophet in the old Testament. And here's what it says. And so the Lord says, these people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are, are far from me. And their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. And so here we, here we have these two famous passages in contrast. You know, the one is so hopeful that if you look for, for me with your whole heart, which, which isn't just about like your emotions, like we think of today. Heart, wholehearted pursuit means really your mind as well. Like basically it means like I want you to go all in. Heart, soul, mind, like everything you have, I want you to be willing to 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 jump in with both feet, kind of like how we do baptism at our churches. It's immersion. Like we dunk them all the way under and we pull them all the way out, right? And that that is such a great symbol of wholehearted pursuit. 
But the Isaiah 29, 13 is almost the opposite. He, he's, he's calling out people who are only fake pursuing God. He, he's calling out people who honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In other words, they're not wholeheartedly pursuing, they're faking it. And, and so Jesus is going to quote, again, spoiler alert, he's going to quote this, we'll get to that in a second, in the text for today from Mark chapter 7. But all that to say, here's the question I want to start with. Are you missing the point of a pursuit of God? Because the religious elite were missing the point. They weren't doing, doing it wholeheartedly. Their hearts weren't all in. So they were missing the point. And I think, you know, people who come at it from a legalistic perspective can do just that. They can miss the point of a pursuit of God. It becomes all about rules and regulations and, and kind of you miss God in the midst of all of it, right? We all probably know about people like that. We, maybe you've seen some movies or watched some documentaries about people like that. But, but I want to just, I want to give you just a little, a little bit of a warning, oh, you non-legalistic Christian, that there's something in the text today for you as well. So keep listening, even if you can't relate to sort of man-made religion and, and um, rules and legalism, even if you're like, oh man, I am so free of that, like that is not my problem at all, just pay attention because there's something in the text for today. So let's get started. Mark chapter 7, verses 1 to 5, it says this. One day, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They noticed that some of his disciples failed to follow the Jewish ritual of hand-washing before eating. Now, in parentheses, Mark says this, the Jews, especially the Pharisees, do not eat until they have poured water over their cupped hands as required by their ancient traditions. Similarly, they don't eat anything from the market until they immerse their hands in water. This is but one of many traditions they have clung to, such as their ceremonial washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. Now, it's interesting that he makes a that mark here for the Gentile readers. He's making a pretty extensive parenthetical note so that we understand what we're about ready to read. He wants, to make, he wants to make sure that we understand what, what is called the tradition of the elders. Expositor's Bible Commentary says this, that Mark felt it necessary to explain to his Gentile readers the Jewish custom of ceremonial handwashing, a custom based on the tradition of the elders, a great mass of oral tradition. So this wasn't scripture in the Old Testament. It was oral tradition that among the Jews that had risen about the law. So it's based on the law. It's kind of like commentary on the law. And its purpose, this is interesting, its purpose was to regulate a person's life completely, and it was passed on <clears throat> from one generation to the next as binding regulation. So here, here we have this. We have the tradition of the elders, and this is, what, um, this is what Mark is explaining to us in this parenthetical note in Mark chapter 7 here at the beginning. Now, I think this is probably a good time for all of us to, to pause and say, well, wait, what about us? What are some of our meaningless rituals? I mean, let's not just point fingers at the Jews 2,000 years ago. I think we, probably in our churches, we have sacred cows. We have meaningless rituals that we like to follow. Maybe we're not even aware of it. We don't even recognize we're following it, but we're doing it. And so I think we should all apply this to ourselves as well. And here's how this passage, this part of the passage ends in verse 5. So the Pharisees 
and teachers of religious law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples follow our age-old tradition? They eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony. They're even calling it a ceremony. So this isn't like to protect against COVID or something. This is, you know, this is a, this is ritual purification. This is ceremonial purification, which, you know, for me personally, this is, this is the thing that I have the hardest time with is pointless rituals, meaningless rituals. I can't stand them, even though I have to probably pause and think about it in my own life where I do this. But this, this is exactly what they're saying. Like, this is a tradition. Why don't you guys follow this tradition? This is a ceremony that we should that we should all follow. And here's Jesus's reply, verses six, seven, and eight. He said, "You hypocrites! Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, "These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far far from me." There's that twenty nine thirteen Isaiah twenty nine thirteen. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man made ideas as commands from God. For you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. Now, there's a ton to unpack here. We'll be kind of unpacking this all throughout this lesson. But, but I want to start with this, this idea of hypocrite. You know, a hypocrite, a hypocrite is someone who should know better. So think about it in your own life. Maybe you've been a hypocrite. We've all been hypocrites, let's be honest. If you, if you say you've never been a hypocrite, you're the biggest hypocrite of all. We've all been hypocrites. And really, the, Isaiah 29, 13 is a perfect definition of a hypocrite. It's someone who says one thing, but deep down, they believe another thing. Now, how can you tell if you believe something else deep down when you say something, you know, you say, you're saying point A, but you deep down believe point B? How can you tell? Well, the, the way you can tell a lot of times the way you can tell is how you act, what you do, what you end up doing on the outside. Those are the things that show that you're a hypocrite. You say you believe these things, but really when the rubber meets the road, you're never acting on it. And that is revealing that deep down in your heart, you don't really believe the things that you're saying. Or really in the case of these Pharisees, I mean, to be generous to them, it's probably that they didn't really fully understand it. I mean, think about it. These, these laws from the Old Testament, so there are real laws in the Old Testament. Read Leviticus. If you're having a hard time sleeping, read Leviticus. It'll put you to sleep. But it'll also, you'll also scratch your head and you'll say, man, what is up with all these laws and rules and regulations? And it does seem a little bit overwhelming. And so again, to be generous to the religious elite, these are the traditions or these are the, these are the words, the laws from Scripture that's been handed down to them. But what they're doing is instead of understanding them appropriately, they misunderstand what the laws are really all about. And then what ends up happening over time is that they substitute their own tradition. So it's their, it's their application of the law. It's their appropriation of the law. They take the law, they take the rules, and they say, I think this is what it means, or this is what my grandpa thought it meant, or this is what his grandpa thought it meant. And so pretty soon, we, it's, it's kind of like um, you know when you're off one degree early on, well, a hundred, a thousand years later, that one degree, if you continue on that course, you end up being off, you know, 90 degrees. So this is the problem. And so Jesus obviously knows it. Remember, Jesus is God. So, so Jesus has been essentially watching this 
for for centuries, for millennia. He's been watching how they how they took the let's say the Ten Commandments, the Law of Moses, the basic, discrete one through ten commandments, kind of like the top ten that really are all about like um, reflecting the heart of God to his people. That's really a good way to understand the Ten Commandments. It's, you know, the first, the first several commandments are all about how you relate to God. And then the last five or six commandments are all about how you relate to one another. And it, Jesus himself said, he summarized the commandments. He said, look, it's all about love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So, so when the Pharisees even asked him in another place, and not in this text, but in another place in the Gospels, hey, what's the most important law? They were trying to trip him up. And it showed that he really understood the law because his answer was not even one of the Ten Commandments. His answer was, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. So he actually, his answer is the preamble to the Ten Commandments, you know, it's, which is kind of like the intro, the overarching theme of the Ten Commandments, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. So, so love him wholeheartedly. Love him wholeheartedly. Love him with your whole heart, Jeremiah 29, 13. But they didn't understand that. In fact, Jesus gave them a two-for-one in response to their question. He said, the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That wasn't even anywhere to be found in, in the Ten Commandments, actually, technically. But it was later on, in, and I think in Leviticus is where is where that command is sort of hidden away, and they didn't even see it. They didn't even recognize it. So here Jesus, Jesus, because Jesus is God, Jesus understands God's heart for giving the law and the commandments, and, and he tells them that. He says, here's his heart. He says, I want you to love me, I want you to love God, vertical, and then I want you to love others. That's horizontal. That's it. That's it. That's, that is what the law is all about. It's about relationship with God that is so that is so impactful in your life that it impacts your relationship with people around you. So it should impact who you are and how you act and how you love and all that. So love God, which by the way means that we submit to him and his ways and his rules. So laws aren't, aren't unimportant, but laws, laws are a means to an end. And I think for the Pharisees, these religious leaders, law, the laws had become the end. They, the law had become the goal. So the goal for them was to, was to fulfill the law, to cross all their T's, to dot all their I's. That was their goal. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 the, the law is important, but the purpose of it is to reflect the heart of God for you and for the people around you. So the purpose of it is for you to connect with God, love God, and for you to connect properly with other people. And so, but he, what he's saying to them is you ignore God's law and you substitute your own tradition. So you're missing the whole point. Okay, so now let's move on to the next part of the, of the scripture. Verse nine, it says, it says this, and then Jesus said this, you skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your own tradition. And then he gives an example. He says, for instance, Moses gave you this law from God, honor your father and mother. It's the fifth commandment. So he's referring back now the, to the 10 commandments and that honor your father and mother is like the, is like the transitional commandment between the first four, which are about loving God and the last five, which, which are about loving other people. And I love that commandment number five is about your family. That family is so important. Our family life 
what moms and dads and kids is so pivotal to the plan of God. Families matter to God, and they're and the commandment given to families is kind of the glue that holds it all together. That you know that if you have if you love if you love God, then you can love other people, especially if you were raised in a family that understood this, and 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 especially if your mom and your dad and the kids understand the role that parents play in transitioning someone from the home to society. Anyway, that's for another message. You can find some more resources about that if you want to in our, on our family page at PursueGod.org. But anyway, he says, he says here's my example of, of the people sidestepping God's law in order to hold on to their own tradition. He says, Moses gave this law from God, honor your father and mother. And then he adds another one. Anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. That's a pretty intense, pretty intense law. But he says this, but you say, now he's talking to the Pharisees, modern day Pharisees in Jesus's day, but you say it's all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you for I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. In this way, Jesus said, you let them disregard their needy parents, and so you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your oral, your own tradition. And then he says at the end here, and this is only one example among many others. Now, I want to read from the IVP Bible background commentary so that we can understand what's going on here. It says that many Jewish teachers regarded the commandment to honor father and mother as the most important in the law. Jewish interpreters included in this commandment providing for one's parents when they were old. At the same time, tradition allowed that various items could be sacrificed or dedicated to the use of God's temple. One school of Jewish teachers in Jesus' day declared that a vow that something was consecrated and forbidden to others applied even to family members, even if those to whom it was forbidden Included, included them only accidentally. So some apparently religious people had been using this practice to withhold what should have otherwise gone to the support of their parents against the otherwise, against the otherwise firm Pharisaic belief that one should support one's parents. So Jesus attacks the Pharisees' inconsistency with that theory and practice, that their love for the law had led them, like some modern Christians today, to such attention to its legal details that it created loopholes for them to violate the spirit of the law. Now, you might need to go back and listen to that again because that was kind of deep. But basically, it's saying that, that the Pharisees, and Jesus knew this, he understood that the Pharisees were observing the letter of the law, and therefore they were breaking the spirit of the law, and really also the letter of the law, essentially, because they were disrespecting father and mother, that people were... People were committing things to, to the temple when they should have understood that their responsibility in their day was to provide for their aging parents. Okay, so all that to say, this is just the one example that Jesus gives. So clearly he understood what was going on in real time for them. And he gives a very specific example that most of us can't relate to today. But he gives this example as just one example of how they're missing the whole point. But for us, here's, here's what I think we need to pay attention to today, especially modern-day Christians who don't struggle with legalism, because I think we actually have the opposite problem. The opposite problem from legalism is called antinomianism. So legalism is when you're just like, I, I'm going to follow all the rules because I think the rules are going to get me to heaven. Antinomianism is the opposite. It's saying, 
I don't care about the rules because I don't think God cares about the rules because he set me free from all the rules. And look, I want to I want to make sure you hear what I, what I'm about to tell you because some of you some of you probably don't understand this whether you're a longtime Christian or you're brand new to this. I want I want you to hear this. Jesus nowhere in this passage is Jesus canceling the law. Go back and read it for yourself. Jesus never says to them the law is bad. It was a bad idea. I don't know what we were thinking giving it to you. He never says that. What he's saying, what he's calling out is he's saying, and I'll read it again. He says, you cancel the word of God. So think, get that phrase in your mind right now. You cancel the word of God. That's the problem that he has with the Pharisees. He's, he's saying to them, in the name of religion, in the name of religion, you are canceling the word of God. You are disrespecting the word of God. You are misappropriating the word of God. You are taking the word of God, what he has spoken to you, what he cares about, what he wants you to hear, what he wants you to obey wholeheartedly, what he wants you to submit to. You're taking his commandment. You're taking his law. You're taking his word and you're misappropriating it. You're, you're instead, you're, you're favoring your own traditions, your own interpretations, maybe is a good way to say it. And you're missing the whole point. So, so look, this is what he's saying to the religious people in his day, to the Pharisees, the religious elite. He's saying, for religious purposes, you're canceling the word of God. But here's what I want you to hear today. Again, maybe some of you are legal, coming out of a legalistic faith and you needed to hear just that. Okay, good. So there's your message for today. You don't cancel the word of God for religious purposes, okay? Now, to the person who's listening who is not a legalist, to a, the person who's listening who's more of an illegalist or an antinomian, someone who lives however you want to, someone who says, God doesn't care how I live, I do whatever I want, someone who does not keep the rules, someone who flips, kind of gives the middle finger to the rules, to that person, I want you to hear this. If you're a Christian, I want you to hear this. Jesus loves God's law. Jesus perfectly fulfills and keeps God's law. So he hates the misappropriation of the word of God. He hates it when religious people cancel the word of God, but he hates it just as much when irreligious people cancel the word of God. So some of you out there need to hear that, that maybe you have disregarded God's law. You've, maybe you've, you're not even paying attention to God's commandment because you have this idea that you're free to just do whatever you want. Jesus died for you. He rose from the dead. You were saved by grace. All those things are true. And yet there are people who say, well, therefore, I'm free to do whatever I want to do. And, and I want you to hear this. That is canceling the word of God. Just as bad as the Pharisees were canceling the word of God by substituting their oral traditions, you are canceling the word of God when you're when you're disregarding what he has clearly spoken and you're living in sin, Jesus hates that too. In fact, I want to I finish with, with these last verses here. Jesus, in verse, starting in verse 14, here's what Jesus said to the crowd. So then Jesus called to the crowd to come in here. So, so far he's just talking to the Pharisees and, and probably his disciples are standing there too. But now he's going to call the whole crowd together. So this is important for everyone to listen to this. He says this, all of you listen and try to understand. Now, we know not everybody's going to understand, 
we've already seen that throughout the Gospel of Mark, but he's saying, I want you to listen. I want you to try to understand. It's not what goes into your body that defiles you. You're defiled by what comes from your heart. And then Jesus went into a house to get away from the crowd, and his disciples asked him what he meant by the parable he had just used. And he said, don't you understand either? Can't you see that the food you put into your body cannot defile you? Food doesn't go into your heart, but only passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. And Mark gives one more parenthetical note. He says, by saying this, Jesus declared that every kind of food is acceptable in God's eyes. Okay, so let's pause for a second on this passage. We've got some, some stuff to unfold here. What Jesus was saying right here was radical for back then. It was so radical in Jesus's day for him to say, especially to the Jewish crowd, to, to say that, that every kind of food is acceptable in God's eyes. That was a radical statement. That blew their minds. The religious elite especially, but, but even his own disciples who you know, had all these kosher rules that they had to follow, Jesus was basically, was basically indicating that the Jewish food laws were coming to an end. And really, he wasn't just talking about the food laws. He was really talking about Gentiles. Because Jewish people called certain types of food unclean in the same way that they called certain kinds of people unclean. The, the Jewish, especially the religious elite, but really all of them, they, they thought that you couldn't eat pig or lobster, but you also, couldn't, you also couldn't engage with Gentiles. That's what this whole thing's about, because they're supposed to wash their hands if they ever engaged with a Gentile, just like they washed their hands before they would eat. And so this whole, kind of underlying this whole, this whole story here in this passage is this, this big question about who does God accept? And Jesus is beginning to answer it right here. He's, he's, he's saying he, he, God is going to accept everyone, even the Gentiles, which was just radical for them to wrap their minds around. In fact, the next, next week, we're going to, he's going to wander into Gentile territory. Jesus is, Tyre and Sidon, and he's going to perform a miracle for a Gentile. And so this is almost like an intro to next, next week's topic where this concept of Food being acceptable is really about people being acceptable. So anyway, we'll get into that a little bit more next week. But my point for now is, is that you recognize how radical this idea was back then. To say that every kind of food or every kind of person can be made acceptable in the eyes of God was just uh, almost a bridge too far for the Jewish audience that day that was listening. But but today, I'm not really speaking to the Jewish audience. I'm, I'm speaking today, again, to that Christian, to that person who's grown up in a, in a modern-day evangelical church, and maybe you've been canceling the Word of God. Um, maybe, you've, maybe you've bought into our culture, and our culture says anything goes. And so today's culture needs to hear really an equally radical truth coming out of this passage, and it's this. It's that sin is for real, and it's inside every one of us. I really think that's what we can take away today, is what defiles you, what defiles me, what defiles every single one of us is inside of us. Because then Jesus says this, verse 20, he added, it's what comes from inside that defiles you, for from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness, 
All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. So this is so interesting. This is the first sin list in the New Testament. Now, maybe the most famous sin list in the New Testament is in Galatians 5, where he talks about, Paul talks about the works of the flesh by contrast to the fruit of the Spirit. But, but what I want you to just pay attention to here, again, just zoom out from this story, Jesus isn't addressing legalists saying to them, you guys are wrong, the laws don't matter, there is no such thing as right and wrong because anything goes. That's not his answer. What he's saying to them is, there is a right and a wrong. God does care about how we live. In other words, Jesus is not just against legalism, he's also against antinomianism. And so I want to go back to the question that we started with at the beginning here. Are you missing the point of a pursuit of God? And remember, it's so easy to point our fingers here at the religious elite who were missing the point of a pursuit of God because they were misinterpreting it and they were substituting God's word, God's law for their own traditions. And they, had, they kind of were pretty quickly far afield from what God wanted in the first place. So clearly the religious elite who were legalistic were missing the point of a pursuit of God. They were following man-made rules. They were worshiping God with their lips, but their hearts were far from him. But can't we apply that same Isaiah 29, 13 to modern day Christians who aren't acting at all like Christians? Right? That, that, we, that we would say, we're going to throw out all the rules. And I would say that the person who throws out all the rules is also missing the point of a pursuit of God. Because remember, Jesus said, or sorry, God said, Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me if you seek me with your whole heart. He wants us to hold, like be all in with our pursuit of God, which means we are submissive to him, which means we are obedient to him. It means if he says it, we believe it. We're going to allow, we're going to allow his, his impact on our lives to be more than just like spiritual. You know, like his impact is more than just Sunday morning for an hour at church, if we even make it to church. No, his impact affects every part of our lives because we're all in. Because the truth is, and this is what Jesus is trying to communicate to the Pharisees in his day, that you, you don't get saved, you don't get cleansed, you don't get transformed from the outside in. There's not a list of rules that you can keep that, that will make you pure from the inside. You know, what the, the radical message of Jesus is that God begins to change us from the inside out. And we're going to learn later as the gospel message gets clearer and clearer throughout the New Testament, we're going to learn later that this, this whole thing happens the moment we trust Jesus to save us. I mean, that's what Paul says in Romans 3, 22 and 23. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. I mean, what a great passage right there is. We're all broken. We're all desperately in need. And and we all are made right with God simply by faith. But look, the result over time is a life that honors God. So it's almost like the religious elite thought that the, 
the list of rules on the outside, maybe try to picture it like this. The list of rules on the outside could maybe purify them eventually on the inside. And Jesus is saying that'll never happen. But it's almost like today's Christians, quote unquote Christians, are saying, when I get saved on the inside, I get to throw out the list of rules. And that's not true either. God cares about how we live. You know, think about the circle, the, the full circle picture that we have at PursueGod.org. If you've never taken the pursuit, I encourage you to take it. 12 weeks, go through it with a family or, or a mentor or a small group. But it's all, it's all about helping you to become a full circle follower of Jesus, like a wholehearted, all-in follower of Jesus. Someone who does three things. The first arrow is we trust Jesus for salvation because that's the only way we can be transformed is from the inside out. Jesus' work and then the Holy Spirit, when we trust him for salvation, the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of us and begins to work the fruit of the Spirit out in our lives. So number one, we trust Jesus for salvation. Number two then is we live to honor God. We want to find out what pleases God and do it. We're not going to throw out all the rules. We're not going to tear up the, the list, the law. We're not going to tear up the Old Testament. We still want to live the spirit of the law. We still want to love God and love others. We, we, we're willing to submit to whatever he says. Like he is the captain. He's in charge now. We're not in charge. He's in charge. And we do whatever he says. That's number two. We honor him. And then number three is the, the eventual thing is that we end up going out and sharing with other people because we want to make disciples and help other people experience this kind of inner purity. The inner purity that doesn't cancel the word of God. The inner purity that doesn't miss the point, but really that, that changes us, that transforms us so our lives are aligned with God's word and God's will from the inside out.